Hello, 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 and welcome to another show. I've got with me my good friend Rob Joyce. Um, you go way back, so why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Oh, thanks, mate. Uh, so I think I met you at the boxing gym, right? At yeah, Richmond MMA. Yeah, like years, probably must be eight years ago. Seven, eight years, maybe longer. I think it might be more than that, you know. I think we're... Yeah. Yeah, but about eight, nine years ago. Yeah, so... Uh, wow, crazy times, man. Um, so, yeah. yeah, basically, I've been a PT for, uh, what, 15 years. Still doing some PT now, because I, I, I do love PT. Uh, PT is my first love, but... Um, yeah, I just sort of when people started getting hurt, which is I think is inevitable if you train for long enough, you're going to run into some kind of injury. So when my clients started getting hurt, I would just like whatever was hurt. So it was like a knee. I will just grab a hold of their knee and like rub it a bit. <laughs> sort of, and then people were like feeling a lot better from, and I had no idea what I was doing. So I got sports massage qualification first. Um, I already had that as part of my original PT qualification because you used to do one through this company called Premier that was like three months long. I did, they I used did to mine do, from Premier as well. Yeah, they were actually like really good. Like it was so professional and like so well run looking back compared to like that three month uh, course was run better than like my five year degree, like 100% <laughs> more professional. But um so yeah, I did that PT course first and got the, the massage, but then I redid massage again because I hadn't used it like for, I don't know, six years, seven years. So I redid massage with a company called Body Basics, did deep tissue with them, um, which was like a, a few weeks and a few case studies. Started using that alongside PT and it was really good. So then I was like, I need to take this to the next level because I want to find out why injuries happen. Um, you know, like if you get a shoulder tweak, why? Like, and how can you test it to find exactly what muscle you've tweaked or exactly what tendon you've tweaked? So I looked at doing a physio degree, uh, but they didn't do one part-time because I needed to work at the same time. So, uh, by the way, if this story is too boring, mate, just cut me off. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> no, I mean, no, go, go ahead. I think it's, um, it's a good eye-opener like, as to what's kind of led you to where you are now. So... Um, I wanted to do physio, they didn't do it part-time. So then I was like, oh, what am I going to do? So I looked at sports therapy, they didn't do that part-time. So then I looked at osteopathy because I'd had good experiences with osteopathy in the past. Um, and that they did part-time over five years with a, a clinic placement in Bethnal Green. So the college was in London Bridge. So I went there every other weekend for like five years, hashtag commitment because it was savage. And... Uh, <laughs> And then did, did clinic hours. I think you do about 2,000 clinic hours over five years. Yeah. Um, and then just worked, just worked during the week. Um, so it was like, it was pretty brutal. But then my life's been so easy since it's been finished. So it was well worth doing. So on that, I was, um, where you're saying it was brutal. So obviously Rob's always been, um, well, he's my osteopath now, but he's always given me like sports massage and that all throughout his training. So I've been getting massages from you for uh, probably about five or six years now, haven't I? 
I'll do yeah, that. Yeah, man, I definitely clicked your neck like before it was legal to do so. So I hope there's no repercussions <laughs> for that. <laughs> but I did ask you permission first, so it's okay. I'll actually put a video. I've got a, do you remember a video that I recorded of that? Like, I came oh, out so just loud. after that yeah. savage sparring session, and I was like, my, my head, I could not move my neck. And then Rob cracked it, and genuinely, it sounded like my entire spine shattered. It was so loud. I'll actually, I'll, I've got a link for that in the show notes, that little video. But um, yeah, it was loud, man. It was loud. It was a good, good little release. I, I, I don't know why, because it, it doesn't make sense clinically, but it seems like the louder the release, like the better the person feels afterwards. Yeah, it's um, it's a it's such a weird sensation because you kind of like ping and you're like it's a bit scary at first and you kind of go fuck and then oh yeah. yeah and then literally afterwards man I felt like I could do like an exorcist and just like spill my head like a full three sixty degrees. It's amazing. Yeah, I think I think as a boxer your head must get set. Do you know what I mean? Like, it must get set in this position, like your sort of chin locked against your shoulder. And then you're also taking blows to the head. Obviously, you never got punched. So that was... Yeah, never. You've got the yeah. shit nosy now. <laughs> <laughs> you just was always ducking and weaving. But I can imagine for a lot of boxers, they probably get punched. So, you know, that shot there, like the, the necks happen to brace and sort of keep everything stacked. And it's... Uh, I always find any fighter actually, like the jiu-jitsu guys, because I see a few jiu-jitsu guys as well, and like their nets just get absolutely brutalized. So I've kind of been looking into that for the last six or seven months. What works to keep a neck healthy, um, mm. especially for the jiu-jitsu guys? Because I don't know what it is with jiu-jitsu, but people are like, oh, I'm 40. I need to, t- I need to take up a hobby, right? So... I'm going to take up this hobby where people try and like snap my limbs off for fun. I found jiu-jitsu, obviously, because firstly, a little background, as you said, we met at um, a mixed martial arts gym, which is called Combat Company back in the day in Richmond. And it was the greatest gym ever. It was unbelievable. And we'd go in and we'd kind of rock up there about five, six-ish most days. And we just stay for hours because you do MMA and then you'd go into like K1 or Muay Thai and then you'd go into like Greco-Roman wrestling and then BJJ and there was like all these different classes on but there was such an amazing community there because there's like me, you, Chase and they, there's like this group of lads and all the time we just come in there each every single day you just try and smash each other and obviously everyone had their strengths so it was like I'd love I'd like I'd, I'd try and get you in like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but then I was like, I'm not going to box with you because you're about twice my size. I was like, you said that, that filthy, like, right hook. And I was like, I'm just going to avoid him aspiring now. Yeah, the, um, I, I'll be honest, I only went to, like, one BJJ class there because I just got totally annihilated by everyone. And I, <laughs> I went home on the bus, and I was the biggest, I was the biggest there by miles because I was, like, 105 kilos there, and I'd just finished up powerlifting. And uh, I went home on the bus, and I'm sure you've had this after sparring, but just that emotionally broken (laughs) feeling where just so many people have beaten you up. And you're just like, I think I moved down like the male hierarchy, like a good six or seven positions. And I was like, you know, chimps have their hierarchy. I I went back to the bottom, (laughs) and I was just like, oh, no. So I only went to boxing classes after that because I could sort of hold, because my arms are super long. So I could always hold my own there, but um, in any other... It's like getting I've done BJJ before, but um, 
exactly, man. Just use just use this fucking giant <laughs> fishing pole and just keep keep everyone away from you. And then if they do get too close, just grab a hold of them. That's the key. That's <laughs> yeah, the key just a little hug, didn't you? Love the hugs, mate. Love just lock them up, then they can't hurt you. Unfortunately, I don't think that would work in street fights. They'd just bite your ear off. But, uh, <laughs> but um, luckily, on that, okay. luckily in Teddington, we don't get in many street fights. So <laughs> <we're all good. laughs> Um, so on that actually, so what are your what take homes would you give for um, sort of combat sport athletes in regards to sort of um, neck health and joint health? So mate, there's this amazing piece of equipment. I've actually just given it to somebody, but it's uh, it's like an inflatable neck pillow, and uh, I've been getting the jiu-jitsu guys to use this because it. Oh man, it's. Unless is there like, is one here. Like one okay, of those sort of one, one Yeah, so it's like that. It's like this. Yeah. It goes around you. This probably isn't going to like if you listen to the audio, but I've basically got like an airplane pillow. You put it around your neck, but then it's got a cuff. So it inflates, but it inflates up. So it lifts these bones underneath your jaw and it lifts your, it decompresses all of your cervical discs all of the nerve structures in there, like everything just gets decompressed. Yeah. So for guys that are getting strangled all the time uh, and just getting dumped on their head, like, you know, rugby guys, like forwards and stuff, um, they get like quite a lot of disc narrowing and like disc compression and stuff. So that will just lift everything and just give it what we call in osteopathy a distraction. So a distraction force, which is just decompressive really. Um, and then from there, because you need to get them out of pain first. If they're in pain, they, they can't obviously do their strengthening stuff. Um, so the quickest thing for me is like get them out of pain as quick as possible and then get them into strength work. And uh, there's loads of cool stuff you can do for the neck. But um, we've just been doing like uh, the chicken, the roasting chicken exercise. So you lie with your head off the end of the bed. Yeah. So your head's off the end of the bed and you go 60 seconds like with your face to the floor. Then you turn over onto the side 60 seconds, onto your back 60 seconds, and then onto the other side. So you're like roasting yourself like a chicken. Um, so it's almost it's like you almost like planks for your neck. So it's like one of those yeah. isometric holds, but obviously then you've got the force of gravity. Yeah, um, you're using that as like a form of resistance to kind of strengthen exactly. each different aspect of your neck. Exactly. Yeah, from four sides. And then once they're cool with that and they're out of pain, um, we do planks like from the knees on your head. So yeah. you're on your knees and your head's on the ground. And then uh, just like wrestling, wrestling bridges for the neck. Because like, okay, so a lot of physios are going to look at a wrestling bridge and say, oh, like it's unsafe, like, it's not you know it's not a rehab exercise but those guys like they're gonna get put on their head anyway whether you like it or not so you might as well prepare them for that scenario that's the way i sort of see it so yeah it does well, like in, um, in a lot of wrestling they do that don't they they do uh, all the yeah. starts i remember that when we when we used to do that greco-roman wrestling and stuff and that's how you do you'd always do like you'd be on all fours with your head on the floor and then you kind of to take the pressure off your off your hands so then you're doing like a three little points your feet and then your head and then you just move in your head from side to side just so straight through the neck mate it's awesome because if you there's some really cool like training training articles from like 
the 1920s and 1930s, like these old school wrestlers. And the neck can get insanely strong. Like they have those head harnesses and they were, you know, lifting like 250, 300, 350 pounds on these neck harnesses. And uh, it's just a muscle that's got like crazy potential for strength, but it's like, because it also can get tweaked. So people are like really scared to train it. But I think you've just got to be very progressive. Um, and I'd say with rehab, like always try and use the 1% rule. So don't ever do 1% more than you did last time or more than 1% more, if that makes sense. Yeah. So more in terms of sets and reps, which I think is a good general rule to have because I'm sure you're like this. If I squat 60 kg on week one of my program, like week two, I want to squat 80 kg. And then week three, I want to squat 100 kg. But it's like <laughs> your, your soft tissues won't always catch up in that same time frame. So yeah just take it slow but god i'm still learning that lesson the hard way like i tweaked my back the other week because i was just like no i think i can do 10 reps i did six reps last week i think i could do 10 it's like i should have just taken seven and then <laughs> like that that session would still be really successful or even if you get six like you didn't get any worse right so but yeah there's always this i think That's, people uh... overestimate like how much they can progress week to week sometimes I think this is one of the funniest things um, now that you say that is um, no matter how experienced you are, no matter how much you learn, <laughs> genuinely yeah. that sort of um, in internal dialogue of, nah, you'll be all right, you can do it. And it's only when <laughs> someone else tells you, be like, you, you, you're trying too hard, you're pushing too hard. Like, I guess patience is a virtue, but it's just human nature. And like I said, no matter how much you learn, um, or how experienced you are, you're always just like, ah, I can always do more, I can always do more. And then you get injured and you're like, why did I do it? I should not have done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I come the, from an osteopath as well. That's um, <laughs> yeah. it's the yeah. worst. Like, I've, yeah, I've done it so many times. Like, <laughs> our, our mutual friend, like Jimbo, we used to train quite a lot in my back garden, like doing these like ghetto sessions and they were, they were just wicked. Um, and I know you got in on a few of them as well. Just lifting whatever, and everything was just super high reps. Like everything was a hundred reps or like as heavy as we could possibly go. And uh, I just hurt myself so many times doing that. And J Jimbo would always be like, "Rob, I don't think you should do this one." And I'm because <laughs> my form on the last one was like terrible. And I'd just be like, "No, bro." And then I'd ping my back. I'd be like, "Ah!" Oh! <laughs> <laughs> And I'd be like, yeah, I definitely shouldn't have done that one. But it's it's such a hard lesson to learn. Like, I'll still do it in the future. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I like how you just come to terms with that. It's like, I could like, oh, no, I'll just deal with that. <laughs> yeah, you've just got to accept it. It's like, um, I heard this guy use the analogy once. He said, life is like, you know, those staircases in the castles in the films that like, yeah. just go around and around. And you're looking down on your mistakes from these staircases. And like each time you look down on your mistake, you're higher up, so you're getting a better perspective, but you're still making mistakes. You just you get a better perspective on it as you go. Which I always thought was really cool because it's a really good analogy, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's wicked. Um, because I definitely still do loads of stupid stuff. And like my most most athletes that I work with as well, like in high level sport, like the stupidity is still pretty strong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you'd expect everything to be to be nailed but sometimes they're like yeah 
I thought I'd try and deadlift 200 kilos. And it's like, but why? Like, you're a professional runner. You didn't need to, to prove that you can deadlift 200 kilos. And now you can't do your actual sport, which is running, for two months or whatever. So, yeah. So then, on that as well, as an osteopath, I guess the majority of your work now is osteopathy. I don't know what I'm saying like as a question, I know. Um, the, the majority of yeah. your um, work is obviously osteopathy. So what are the sort of usual um, injury sort of um, issues that people tend to come to you with them? Just sort of like your average Joe. Um, a lot, a lot of lower backs, like just sore lower backs, like lower back tweaks is probably number one. Um, number two is neck, uh, just like again neck tweaks, like neck pain, uh, tension headaches, stuff like stemming from the neck from basically being in in like this kind of like desk based posture. So I'm doing like a a forward head posture, like sticking my head forwards like a turtle or a tortoise. <laughs> but anyway like yeah so just that sort of stuff that comes from a desk-based lifestyle like people being on their phones all the time yeah um what I, what i see a lot of as well is like people getting uh tingling and like numbness down into the arm and into the hands and i think that similarly like it's just a working postural issue like the shoulders are hunched up and forwards it's that and, kyphoid, uh, that kyphoid sort of posture, isn't it? Like rolling the shoulders forward, pushing the head kind of forward. So you're like hunched yeah. forward. Yeah, like us basically, but like not as ripped. <laughs> your bone. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, kyphotic posture, like upper cross syndrome, they call it as well. I think sometimes, mm. but it's um, yeah. So a lot of issues based around that lower back, some knees, but I, I think on a limb and say that like knees are really simple i think uh if you fix the stuff going on around knees they'll generally fix themselves unless there's been a trauma uh so if someone's had a tackle or like a kick and they've blown some ligaments that's going to take a lot longer to fix and it's a different conversation but normally if a runner's got a little bit of knee pain it's not the knee i like look at their feet look at their hips and so yeah so uh lower backs first Next number two, and uh, knees and shoulders like in a close third, I would say. So it's basically full head, shoulders, and knees and toes. Knees and toes, <laughs> knees and toes. Yeah, just um, so just the whole body. So on that, with lower back pain <laughs> being being the first one, what do you te- um, do you see tends to be um, the primary causes of that? So it's mainly like an imbalance between the muscles on the left and the right, it seems. And this is if we're talking purely structurally, because I think psychological factors come into play. And I know you've seen this, like when stress ramps up, people seem to get injured more easily. Um, So stress is a big factor, I would say, for injuries. And it's something that's a really hard conversation to have with people because you don't want to say to them, oh, it's all in your head. Um, but you want to get across to them that stress is a big, because stress tra- changes our physiology so much, changes our breathing pattern, changes our blood chemistry, um, changes the levels of nutrients that are getting delivered to our muscles, like all of these things. So that's a factor that's probably, it's 
is psychologically where you're at for injuries, um, what your load is like in life. So let me use like a bucket analogy. So here's a bucket or it's actually a bin. So biomechanics is, this is already half full with biomechanics, right? So if your biomechanics is bad, if one of your legs is shorter than the other due to a muscular imbalance or one of your glutes doesn't fire uh, properly or like is weak or one leg is much bigger than the other or you spend all day sitting at a desk so you're always hunched forward, it's already 50% full with biomechanical stuff. Now when you chuck in like, this is like lifestyle stress, this is like, poor sleep, um, this is like bad nutrition. Once you stick those in, then the bucket spills over and that's typically when people will experience pain. That's called the biopsychosocial model, um, which just is like a fancy way of saying it. it's everything. Like it's holistic basically, it's not just. Yeah, so it's obvious, obviously it's a combination of um, all your different lifestyle factors as well as basically the way you're actually um, made so, like you say, with your biomechanics. So, yeah, yeah but so I can and factors exactly. And if you fix the biomechanics, the pain is probably going to improve quite a lot. Mm. Uh, which is, but you don't want to just be structural. And I think um, I'll tend to be sometimes overly structural, especially with athletes, because athletes don't want to necessarily. Some do, like you know, some people are very open-minded. Like I know um, when you were were boxing you'd like pretty much try anything to like to improve your performance like whatever it would be but some people don't necessarily want to hear oh you need to go sit in the woods and like and meditate and stay off your screen and you know have better relationships like they just think like mate my back hurts like what are you on about just turn um, they, and go wild <laughs> yeah you should definitely every i think everyone should do that once in a while <laughs> um, just reconnect just make sure it's safe guys stay safe out there don't get dangerous um, but yeah so but typically uh it's it's the glutes like typically if you can get the tissue quality in the glutes like really good get the tissue quality they're good so roll them out stretch them make sure you've got equal mobility on both sides the glutes and the qls so uh the ql is like a little little beast of a muscle in the lower back that just goes like over where the kidney area is um and if you imagine the glutes and QLs, the glutes um, form like part of a square with the QLs. So if you can keep both QLs and both glutes, similar strength and similar tissue softness, like 95% of back pain, like you'll clear up. And how can people best do that? Like what sort of exercise can they do to improve that sort of strength in the glutes and increase that sort of um, softness as well? So like roll them uh, on a, a cricket ball or a hockey ball or a tennis ball and like roll your quads as well. Because if you just, and roll your hammies, like roll everything lower body. Because if you're just rolling one thing, you'll develop this, yeah. you know, just the way it is. Because one, one muscle's constantly getting that feedback to relax and the other one's not. So it's naturally, some are going to become tighter and some are going to become looser. So foam roll everything get a ball into like tight spots it takes like five minutes so it's worth doing and then uh, just general strengthening stuff hip bridges squats lunges hip thrusts so what i kind of want to get across to people is that like rehab should look exactly like normal training mm. really 
it should look exactly the same. Like you shouldn't, your strength training program should look the same if you're rehabbing as if you're like peaking. It should still be the big movements and like the proper patterns and stuff because they're what work the best to get those muscle groups strong. So uh, I think that's what, we've got a problem at the moment in, uh, in physical therapy. And that is like, you know, like these beast athletes are getting given like a, a one kilo band and they're doing like band external rotations. It's like, mate, that guy's going to run into another 120 kilo man at like 30 mile per hour combined speed. So no, that's not going to cut it. He's going to have to do something like heavy stuff to get his body up to where it needs to be. Yeah. Um, and the, sa- the same for like, uh, I always call her Maureen, uh, like old Maureen that's coming in to like feel her, for her back to feel a bit better. Like you need to raise her ceiling massively. So she maybe needs to be able to deadlift like 60 to 70 kilos to get rid of her back pain that she gets from gardening. Because then you've raised her ceiling of where she's going to experience pain. So um, it's just like, yeah. I've forgotten the question now. I'm rambling, but just like make people strong. (laughs) (laughs) Strengthening those uh, glutes. So then obviously moving down from there, um, or actually going back to the lower back just quickly. So obviously, and I see this a lot with my clients, is they'll have loads of pain in their lower back. And they'll be sitting there trying to roll their lower back or will ask me to massage their lower back. Obviously, it never is their lower back. Mate, that's and, big. Yeah, that's big. Right. So with regards to that, is there any, just a few little things, if someone has got lower back pain now, obviously apart from going and seeing yourself and getting um, treated by yourself, what They just you need to come and give me their money and there's no other way for them to fix it, unfortunately. That's, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't know what else to say. They're just in the rock, between a rock and a hard place and you're the only person that can take them out of that. It, man. Uh, no, so th- what you just said is like, I understand that it, it's it's huge. Like, because people don't, I would still get at the end of uni, like people would come in with back pain, and the the student osteopath would just start rubbing their back furiously, and it's like, look, man, just look at other places, like look at the surrounding muscles, like what's tight, what's going on. So uh, yeah, it's it's normally QLs if you come in. If you can get like a tennis ball into the QL, which is in the lower back, but it's a, a part of the lower back that you wouldn't necessarily feel. So it's sort of, it's away from the spine into the side, uh, like around the kidney area. I know you know exactly where it is, but it's, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, yeah. people listening, I'm trying to sort of imagine how they would picture it. But if you sort of put your hands on your hips, on the bone, come about two inches up, and where your thumb is, that's your that's your QL muscle there. Like that muscle in is... In towards the spine a little bit more. In towards the spine, yeah. Um, yeah, get a, a tennis ball or a hockey ball in there and like give it a couple of minutes of... Don't go crazy because you don't want to foam roll or release on the actual bone itself because you'll, you'll irritate stuff. There's loads of nerves going through there. So I found out this the hard way when I was like when I was young and retarded. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I was like, oh, my back's sore. So I got a foam roller and like rolled my lower back for like 10 minutes. And obviously it felt really loose. And I was like, wow. And then when I woke up the next day, like the nerve pain down my legs, man, like both legs down the front and down the back. Because I've just been smashing on the actual spine. Um, 
very silly. But I still see people doing it in gyms all the time. They're like, oh, I need to foam roll my spine. I'm like, it's not. No, no, mate. It's a bone. <laughs> like, don't, don't foam roll the bone. Like, foam roll the structures around it that are acting on the bone. But it's a hard, remember, hard one to get across. Do you remember Pete, our old boxing coach? Did you ever get one of his massages? Mate, his massages were like... <laughs> Is um so our old boxing coach used to give us these massages. Now basically, you'd lie down on your on your front, and he just like punch you in like the calves. He'd punch you in like the hamstrings, and he'd just like sit there like elbow dropping you. But he'd be hitting you. I remember he'd do your back, and he'd be rolling over your spine. He'd just be elbowing everything. And it, don't get me wrong, it worked because it released off your muscle because you're just applying so much tension to the muscle. But literally, it would it would beat you, it beat you down, and it would kill. So I, mate, I often think about that, and I'm still trying to figure out if he was crazy or a genius. <laughs> and I think the answer is like, it's somewhere, somewhere in the middle. In the middle, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because some of the stuff he would say, I'd be like, but that sounds like complete nonsense <laughs> but some of the stuff you would say i like i've repeated to clients for years so it's uh it's a fine line but god those were painful man i've had like massages in bali like massages off like big dudes like you know 18 stone of muscle and I, that that hurt like the most of anything i've experienced but yeah. you know you did feel different afterwards you did feel looser afterwards so it was it was effective Definitely, and it massively massively increased your pain threshold too. So it's just one of those. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could just never take it, isn't it? Screaming and like just emasculating myself in front of the whole gym while he like did it to me. (laughs) I remember him doing it to my brother. My brother's literally on his front, and he was going into my brother's calves. I could see my brother's genuinely crawling. He was like, no. And about two seconds later, he just took him to Pete. He's like, "No, no, mate, I can't, I can't do that." No, some people are just—they're uh, too sensitive to have massage, like, and they just—they won't respond to it. But I know your bro, and he's like pretty hard, so it's probably not him. <laughs> it's probably the <laughs> massage because <laughs> he's a big, like, tough, robust sort of dude, isn't he? Like, he's not. I think that just speaks of how painful this type of massage technique was. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, it was a bit excessive, wasn't it? Yeah, although, you know, it shows how much the body can take because no one ever got an actual injury. Shows how high your your pain can go before anything actually breaks. Yeah. So. It did make me laugh, then when you were saying that you're like, when I was young and retired and used to do this, and it's like, you know, you're talking about that spiral staircase. It's like the, the awkward moment you get when you get to the top, you look back down, you go, I'm older and I'm still really retarded. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you look yeah, about no, and you're still making these same silly um, mistakes and you're like, <laughs> just shaking your head, looking at yourself like, uh, will it ever improve? <laughs> yeah, oh no, for sure. But I think, um, and I've always thought this about you, it's like, without being cheesy or anything, it's going to be hard to word this, but (laughs) some people have an ability to reflect upon themselves, right? And I think I do okay in this regard. Like, I'll sort of look at how I'm behaving in my life and, like, how I could improve stuff. And you've always done that from a really young age, you know, from when you're in, like, your early 20s, whereas I don't think I probably started doing that until I was, like, 30, maybe, maybe 28. 
But I'm not sure if everyone has that ability to to do a bird's eye view of themselves and like be like, right, this is how I behave and this is how it how it affects others. Because God, like some people just live their lives like total numpties. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna swear then. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh and it's especially during this like pandemic thing, you can just see people's behaviour it's like shit we live we're in part of a community it's like live in a way that makes things better for your fellow man like it's not every man for himself it's not like survival of the fittest um which is lucky for my neighbors because i'm just a freaking beast but it's um <laughs> it's not like you just got to help each other out like jesus christ don't go and steal all the eggs and steal all the toilet paper it's like everyone down your road equal amounts of you know whatever so it's uh but back to long story short i think the ability to self-reflect is like is super important and some people i know have it and then others don't i think in the in the personal training industry it's like it's essential isn't it because you you're examining other people's behaviors and you're like why the hell can't they change yeah i think that's what really really um interested me the most like obviously after my first couple of years we just make all sort of standard mistakes and just try and beast absolutely everyone like and you roll through all the, the sort of fashions and the trends of low carb just pure beastings of high intensity all this sort of rubbish and you kind of go yeah. through the new after all your kind of experience you realize that kind of everyone's unique and you go through that but that's what interests yeah. me the most is just the behavior, the behavioral changes, the behavioral aspects of life, because it's, it's quite simple. Like everyone knows how to improve their body shape. Everyone knows how to lose fat and everyone knows how that they should eat better. But it's those behavioral changes and the behaviors around foods that's so much more interesting. Because that's almost something that people struggle to really control. Because you've got things like habits, you've got things like stress, stress eating and emotionally, all these mm. different uh, triggers and things yeah. like that. But I find so interesting. I love delving into that with my clients. And when you help someone transition and actually change one of those little areas, then you find that's just like so gratifying when you've actually helped them overcome something as quite severe as say like emotional eating. You've just given them a little tweak and they just go strength from there mate like yeah everything you just said i couldn't i could not agree with more and it, it it like annoys me when other people aren't seeing it from that point of view so i went to this uh i went on a course like a few weeks ago and we were talking about knee stability and like there were some dudes there that had a good knowledge base but they were like, right, well, uh, okay, I think that this 23-year-old male needs quite biphasic lateral stability in the anterior aspect of the... And I was like... And then it came round to me, and I was like, well, we need to make sure that they're doing their daily exercises. And everyone like <laughs> looked at me as if I was a lunatic, and I was like, lads and ladettes, like, you've just spouted so much technical jargon. Do you actually have any clients? Because it makes me think that you don't. Because if you've ever tried to explain that stuff to somebody, their eyes just go like glassy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that that day-to-day -day habit change is like, 
Oh, mate, it's so massive. And I'm really pleased when I hear people say that because I think that's the way the, diet, the industry needs to go. Um, to know, man. What do you think about Joe Wicks? I'm just interested because he's like massive at the moment. So actually, having this conversation with someone um, yesterday, like two other PTs, I think he's fantastic, mate. I yeah, really, yeah. really like everything he's done. Like he's on TV, and he's um, obviously he's got these like family workouts in the morning. I think anyone who's having a positive effect and making people get out, move more, and just be a bit more healthy and a bit more health conscious, I think it's excellent. Yeah. It's one of cool, my yeah, that's that's how I feel as well. But um, I've seen like loads on social media of like hashtags, like negative hashtags against him. And, but I think a lot of it stems from jealousy yeah. because like, you know, we're all PTs. We've all done probably 10,000 hours of one-to-one like sessions, um, which technically makes us experts in our field, right? You don't and see any. <laughs> you well, I, I still know some that aren't after that many yeah. sessions because they've done that many sessions of the same thing. But then, and it's also then they don't try and in, increase their knowledge. Like you're saying, you were on a course the other day. I just finished with another mentor last month. Like, and it's about mm. investing in yourself to take to help you level up. Whereas if you're doing ten thousand hours in the same gym, doing the same training styles, never going and trying to learn off other people, learning. Um, and just going to different like courses, seminars, taking on mentorships, like you, you, you're not, you're just spending 10,000 hours festering in your same, your same fashion, your same style. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like we all drive a car, like I've driven a car for 10,000 hours, but I'm still shit at driving. I know you are as well. Cause you're, <laughs> Your car looks like a rally car. <laughs> no, on that, actually, on that. Do you remember when I was, when I was getting a massage, I yours and that woman knocked on the door? Oh, she wrote your car off, bro. Mate. <laughs> Honestly. I was, I was actually in Rob's house getting a massage. And this woman knocked on the door and was like, is that your black uh, Mazda outside? And I was like, oh, no, it's mine. And she was like, yeah, I just reversed into it. And I was like, what? <laughs> Mate, so yeah, however bad a driver you think you are, like there's always worse. Like that lady, so <laughs> her car's there now and it's still got like it's she got a new car, right? And it's got so many dents in it, like the bumpers hanging off, the back window's broken, and it's like, I don't think you should be on the road. <laughs> um so I always say to my clients, I'm like, don't park in front of that drive. Like if you can walk or park like super close to the curb because uh and then I tell them the story of you and I can tell they don't believe me. Because it seems too like, I'm like, yeah, like one of my clients, like he got his car written off. So just, you know, be careful about where you park. And you can see they're like, they think it's just a tall tale, but it's actually true. That's one of the most surreal moments of my life. But it's one of those like. Yeah, I know. I felt so bad because I was like, yeah, can I still have the money? <laughs> <laughs> so the, but the best thing is that I guess that's um, be a good little segue for there onto like mindset. Because on that, and I was like, I could sit here and lose my shit about this. It's like, you've totally just smashed up my car. And I was like... Uh, man, I like, just... that's something I've always admired about you. It's like, you're uh, pretty much, I think, unbreakable mentally. Because uh, I pretend to be, but, like, stuff like that, like, if you spoke to my missus, like, the tantrums that I've thrown, like, <laughs> I've broken my hand, like, punching it through a door. I broke my eye socket because I smashed the lamp into my head. 
Um, <laughs> I broke my foot, so I like kicked a tree. Just, I like lose it so bad. And I'll write these blogs about, you know, like, oh, let's all meditate. And I think that's why though, like, I think that's why I gravitate towards that, that sort of thing. But just the things that I've seen you have to try and juggle at the same time. And you always like, just got it all done. It's, it's super impressive. So it's, I think it's awesome that you're working with members of the public because if you can, some of that is teachable. Some of it you're probably born with, but like a lot of it's going to be yeah. teachable. Oh, and if you can get that stuff across to people, like you're saying, like you will, you will change their lives because we're just not taught this stuff like at school. It's, uh, in fact, you're not taught anything of any, <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you're not taught anything that's any use at school. <laughs> or at least I wasn't. <laughs> No, not at all. It's gonna go into flan. Some... Pardon? I could make a flan. At the end of school, I could make a flan. I could figure out the side of a triangle that I didn't know by the other two sides of the triangle. Sweet. Use that loads. Um, <laughs> and I knew everything about Lord of the Flies. That was actually a really good book book but absolutely useless like i could have read it as a, an adult do you know what i mean yeah stick your dick in the conch <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well, actually i suppose i'm sure there's lessons from school that were useful but jesus christ i reckon 80 percent of it was pointless yeah. just gonna go out, just gonna go out there and say that because my life's been so hard after school so obviously the lessons i learned didn't prepare me at all yeah so on that actually um, how was your so obviously before we segue too much start talking about dicks and conches and stuff um go back to sure. everything so mine wouldn't fit in the conch just putting that putting that out there <laughs> <laughs> so um, how's your sort of training what oh no not even that how's your approach to the whole sort of health and quote-unquote health and fitness industry changed over your time as a PT and as an osteopath? Uh, so I would say my mindset used to be like where like Goggins is now. Yeah. You know what I mean? I used to be like Goggins um, when I was younger and just be that's, like, um, fucking... That's, um, that's David Goggins. So like put him on Instagram, he's just like some psychopathic um, ultra-endurance athlete. But yeah, I just want to put that in. Yeah, I used to just be like, smash yourself into the wall like six days a week. And if, you, if you're tired, it's because you're a pussy. Um, and if something hurts, <laughs> it's because it's like not strong enough. Um, and just don't be weak and basically dominate everything. Now, I tried that approach for ages. Personally, like, it doesn't work for me. But it took me a long time to to learn that is uh it's basically everything has to be in balance right yeah. so you're and this is i'm gonna straight up say that i i stole this from dan john i know you like dan john yeah. as well. but you're you'll always find in your life that you're the happiest when your work rest and play are all exactly the same so you've got a decent amount of work, a decent amount of rest, and a decent amount of time to do what you like. When those things are all in balance, I think you'll be the happiest person, uh, the happiest parent, and the happiest athlete. Like the thing that strikes me with athletes is they don't know that their life is connected to their sport. 
So they're like, oh man, like I've gotten an argument with my missus and like I'm living on the sofa, but I should still be able to train like for 30 hours a week. And it's like, no nah, man, it's all happening to the same system. It's uh, so it's I've become way more holistic and way more like compassionate as well to what's going on in people's lives. Whereas I used to just be like, Maureen, what the hell are you doing? You need to do German volume training. And then like, <laughs> <laughs> Whereas now I'm like, hang on a minute. Maureen's like, she's got other stuff going on in her life. Maureen's a great person, right? Maureen's got <laughs> five grandkids. She looks, runs around looking after everyone. She puts herself last. She's actually a great fucking person, but her priorities aren't to be have shredded abs, which I never used to be able to understand. Um, yeah. Whereas now that I'm like phys physically look terrible, I can totally understand. I'm like, nah, man, it's a uh, quality of life. Like training has to come into your quality of life and improve it. Otherwise I think as trainers, we're, we're not doing our jobs properly. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, no, that's exactly like I was saying to you earlier about <coughs> experience. And it's like after the first couple of years as a PT, you make all of that where you just think, ah, oh, Everyone needs to look like a fucking fitness model. And I think as you kind of progress through through your training, you get that experience, you realise it's everyone's everyone's unique, as I said before. What you want yeah, man. Um, isn't necessarily what your client wants. And that's one thing you need to set those boundaries straight away. Um, yeah, you, you have to separate your goals from your clients that's actually really hard and i feel like um some trainers like they never they never move on from that they've been doing it like 12 years and they're like i'm a bodybuilder so therefore everyone has to do a comp and it's like yeah. I, I just think you're gonna give millions of people eating disorders that's <laughs> another side rant like physique competitions give people eating disorders end of story like i've, se I've just seen it so many times now I'm like, fucking stop. You don't need to compete. Stop everyone competing and saying, I'm a pro because I did one show and I got a fucking third place trophy. <laughs> and just talking about being on the grind and like staying dedicated and eating fucking peanuts every day. Just no, just stop well, that's that. The, and that's, I think a lot of that is also down to um, the rise of social media. I think Instagram- Social because everything's visual. Yeah, everyone wants that. Oh, that, uh, look at this transformation I did with this person. Don't get me wrong, I've got some sick transformations, but maybe, mate, I'm running a transformation thing now. So, like, oh, people want to see that visual thing, like, they yeah. want to see that visual thing, but I'm just a bit worried about how far people are taking it. And then they're, they're like, I saw this thing the other day, like, this chick had baked a cake um, for her and her boyfriend, and then she had one slice, and then was like, Oh, but then I realized it was one of my trigger foods. So I threw the cake in the bin. And I'm just like, okay, you've got an eating disorder. But that's not like isolated. I'm seeing that daily all the time. We'll, you know, we will, before we segue into that, we'll, we'll, come, we'll um, do another one on that because obviously I've, I had an eating disorder for obviously like two years, as you're more than aware of. So what we'll do is... We'll, do you know, I just remembered that. that. So, uh, yeah, shit, that's, that's real, so man. We'll I'm sure you've got we'll, some... We'll, say, we'll record another podcast on that and we'll, um, yeah, release that next one. But um, I think we should wrap up there. I have no idea how long this has been going on for. We always get lost in the, uh, lost in the moment chatting. Um, yeah, wicked. Sorry if I... I'm, I know I'm a massive tangent goer-opera, 
but I think that's uh, years of talking to people on the gym floor for hours and hours. <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's just like, yeah, I can talk rubbish for like days. Yeah, it's but like first thing, it makes you get like not good at your job. Obviously, I thought it makes you good at your job, but just why you're such a successful PT is you're so easy, you're so personable, you're so easy to talk to. That you have those hours, and you're just entertaining. Whereas you watch those like some PTs with clients, and it's just it looks like a painful, painful hours. You've never really heard that. No, I think actually, just to like one final point, I think you have to be able to, to help people. I think you have to have a natural rapport with them. Mm. And I think now, like if you, if you couldn't imagine yourself hanging out with somebody like in your spare time for actual fun, you probably shouldn't work with them. Yeah. Because you're just not going to get each other, I think. Um, and I mean, maybe maybe you'll feel differently, but that's certainly something that I've found. I, if some if I don't get on with someone on a personal level, I can't influence them like anywhere near as much. Yeah. Well, to be fair, saying that, mate, I'd actually probably say that looking back on sort of my life as a PT, you were probably my first like mentor in that respects. Like, obviously, you never we never called ourselves that, but. Me and Rob obviously trained together. I, I finished work and I went into some um, into a, a sales role, so an advertisement um, advertising space in a conference news magazine. Just to like deep throat a pistol like every day. It was killer. Oh, I think you but, went to the place where everyone goes after St. Yeah. Mary's. Didn't you? <laughs> yeah, basically. We and, won't um, name it. And then um, Mash Media, and then basically. You end up getting me the job. Obviously, I got my PT qualification on the side because obviously I was boxed, uh, boxing was going really well for me then. I had P- and I was doing like online programs stuff for people anyway. And then you basically kind of pushed me into getting the play, um, job at Twick at um, Tenton Fitness first. So I ended up um, getting that. And essentially, you were my first mentor because you kind of guided me through my initial f- first few years. Uh, PT like I remember that but I remember the first thing you you said to me you probably don't remember this first proper thing you said to me now yeah it's really and that was um don't get a client that you wouldn't go out for a beer with I never kind of understood that but now yeah it resonates and I say that to like all the new PTs starting at our gyms that's one of the first things I say to them I was like when you get to a point when you're obviously a bit more financially stable as like, and you can be more choosy with clients. Make sure that you go for a beer with that client. Like when you finish your session, if it's a client, make sure you could be like, oh, do you want to go grab a cheeky Nando's or go for a beer? If they were to ask you to go for a beer or dinner, you'd go, yeah. Because if not- Mate, 100%, yeah, it's massive. The amount of time you spend with certain clients as well, when it gets to that point, you'd be like, you just, yeah, you don't want to waste your time with people. Time is valuable. Um, mm. you don't want to waste it on people that really just bring nothing to your life and sort of what do you call you call them vampires don't you yeah I got in a bit of trouble for this like um, <laughs> I call them uh, energy vampires or brain drains because I, I said that on a video um, that I released on like my social media and I got a complaint from um, the governing body like of osteopathy that's saying that like you can't you can't speak ill of people, basically, if you're part of a professional body. And I was like, man, 
that sucks. So you, you'll probably notice, like, my, my social media the last, like, few months is, like, mega watered down now because I've, I've got, like, these, like, three complaints in, like, short succession. And I was like, man, I'm, like, totally censored. So, yeah, it sucks. But I hope I don't get in trouble for anything I've said today. Everyone's just starting to wake up now. It's all, it's all kicking off. All going crazy. <laughs> but, mate, that's... Um... Stop trying to chew the cable here. It's, yeah, it's, all, it's, it's that time. So, I think, yeah, I think it would probably be wiser. So, I guess we've gone on for a while. But so what are the three... Um, give people three biggest take-homes. Um, some things they can... Especially, obviously, in this whole sort of corona um, pandemic. What are the three biggest things? So, it can be anything. Health, fitness, diet, um, mobility... Things that you'd say people could use to maximise this um, sort of time they've got. Oh man, uh, drink water, eat vegetables, and spend time off your screen. You heard it here first. Boom! <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking to myself though, because like, mate, I'm mentally, I'm. Uh, it's not as easy as I thought staying at home how, all the time. Yeah, how many of those of you uh, do you manage to do a day? Um, those three that you just said. So I'm running this uh, like four week transformation thing at the moment. So yeah, uh, it just starts on Monday, and so I've been like practicing that. So I've done like no refined sugar, no alcohol for like a, about a week. Yeah, because I wanted to get a head start on everyone else in the challenge. Yeah. Um, so that like my photo because I can't win right so I thought I, I just I want to kind of leave from the front of it so I've been pretty good I want to win but I put that into the place. <laughs> yeah then I'll win all the money yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like yeah sweet <laughs> cheers guys um, so yeah it's, uh, it was like 50 quid to enter but I'm also giving some money to uh, like some self-employed mates that are struggling me. so I'm not going to keep <laughs> any profits from <laughs> it like me <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's an awkward time for the self-employed. But anyway, Rob, where can people find out more about yourself? Like, what um, sort of social media platforms are you on? Uh, yeah, I'm Robert Joyce One on uh, Instagram, Robert Joyce Osteopathy on Facebook, or just like add me as a friend on Facebook because <coughs> I haven't got many friends on there, so <laughs> that will help. Um, mate, I really appreciate you having me on and. Uh, well, we'll definitely be on for the round two. We'll um, round two um, talking about eating disorders. I think that would be fire, mate. Yeah, mate, 100%. It's, uh, it's a really important topic, I think, and it's something that needs to be covered. And you, you, I forgot about your sort of personal experience with it. So I think the, the insights that you'll have to offer people will be massive. So let's definitely do that, man. And there's loads, there's loads of time for things as well. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But anyway, so anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with, mate? Um, no, just follow Kieran on everything because he, he talks sense. And, uh, <laughs> it, there's not enough of that. It's starting to happen, but there's still so many people like just, just preaching in the wrong direction, I think. So, yeah, I think the stuff you're putting out is great. It's really positive. So I always read your stuff, always watch all your videos, and it, it like even helps me, um, even though I'm old. and like you're young and shredded i still get so much uh like valuable sort of use out of the stuff that you're saying so yeah keep doing it uh, excellent thank you but anyway cheers for coming on mate and yeah we'll speak very soon
Cheers, bro. Take care.